0: and welcome to primary matters a podcast about the things that matter to the primary industries i'm carol styles and in this series hook line and sinker we're taking a dive into aotearoa new zealand's seafood sector nigel carol styles i'm very well thank you and you i'm good i'm with nigel now we're at we're at raglan wharf and i'm just going to Get on board.
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll just pull the boat in close to the wharf and make it safe here and then we'll go and have a look around.
0: Nigel Hollands is one of 68 fisheries observers in New Zealand. He's just returned after three days fishing off the North Island's west coast. Tell me about this boat. So this
1: is a little trawler, 15 metres long, uh, 55 tonnes. It's a nice fish boat. doesn't have a freezer so... The fish is slurried in ice and water, salt water, and then packed on ice and then unloaded at the wharf. How old would the boat be? Uh, I I think it's 1975, it'll tell us inside. Oh, Toilet, shower. Got my bean bag there. That's what I sit on when I'm doing my observations out the back.
0: Nigel's job is to collect data that helps shape the management of fish stocks and also measures the impact of fishing on the marine environment. On any given day you could find him on a commercial fishing boat like this one with just the skipper and a deckhand, or with 80 fishers on a huge 98 metre internationally owned fishing vessel. Can you go out over the Raglan bar? Yep, go over the Raglan bar. Have you had some exciting trips over the bar? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, what does it feel like? Is it just rough? Uh,
1: it's safe, but it's, yeah, you got waves on both sides of the boat, because it's quite a narrow channel. I like surfing, so I quite like looking at the waves anyway.
0: What's typically caught out here at Raglan?
1: Oh, there's a multitude of uh, species. So this is an inshore boat, but this boat targets Gurnard. So specifically, a net set up, to be very low, it's only um, 800 millimetres in width, so it's just targeting the fish that are on the bottom, which is the gurnard, and trawled really slowly, and all the bigger fish like snapper and that can go swim over the top, so they're not, not caught. You can get a few, but not many.
0: Okay, we're going science, yeah. but it wouldn't be out here. <laughs> Nigel spent a few thousand days at sea. Sometimes he can be away just for a night or two,
1: Grab a seat anywhere, and this is the wheelhouse or the bridge.
0: Where do you sleep?
1: Down here, you're welcome to go down and have a look. There's bunks down in there. It's quite a long way down. Yeah, it
0: is, isn't it? It's got a deep hull.
1: The fishing boat, only really a third of the boat's out of the water. That's why they don't fall over at sea, they're they're stable. And down in there, underneath those hatches is the uh, fish room.
0: The longest he's been away without setting foot on terra firma is 90 days.
1: That was going down to the ice, it's 10 days steam just to get down there, and then fishing in the ice, crashing through ice, icebergs and all sorts, fishing up to in McMurdo Sound. Yeah, that was pretty awesome then, 10 days to get back. In New Zealand there's uh, one Japanese boat, half a dozen Korean and six or eight uh, Russian trawlers, so yeah we go on them quite a lot.
0: How did you become a fisheries observer?
1: I've done quite a little different a lot of different things in my career and I I always heard about fishery observers and thought oh that'd be pretty fascinating. It's kinda of like an adventure you get paid to do. Yeah, I sort of fell into the job about fifteen years ago probably and yeah, been lucky enough to, to do a lot of different trips and see a lot of New Zealand, been around the country a few times on boats and outside our two hundred mile limit down to Antarctica. Um, You're yeah, all over the place, so it's pretty fascinating if that floats your boat. And yeah, when we're on the little boat like this, there, there's no cook, so you share the cooking. You're all sleeping in the same bunkhouse, you don't get allocated a cabin, and yeah, it makes a big difference when we can fit in, chip in a bit. And on the big boat, they've got chefs. Yeah, big boats are totally different, might get your own cabin, might be lucky enough to have your own um, toilet and shower in, in your cabin. Um, and then, yeah, meal times—it's just all laid on. Yeah, it's a lot different.
0: The surroundings often aren't salubrious, are they?
1: No, I trained some observers too when they start, and I used to tell them that it's—it's it's not the love boat. In saying that, a lot of there's some really nice, fresh, new ones out there, and they're always comfortable and safe.
0: Not every commercial fishing vessel has an observer on board. It all depends on the information fisheries managers and scientists need. Nigel says he's treated well at sea
1: when we get put on a boat we have to remember that the, the, the skipper or the owner or, or the crew they didn't ask for us to come we they get told we're coming if we turn up with a positive attitude and explain to people what we're going to do uh, and tell them because um, some some people especially some of the young crew that haven't had us on they're not sure they think we're a fishery officer and um, they'd get them in trouble yeah, generally they're very professional, especially the big boats um, that get us quite often. They, they know the drill and we've got our own workstation. They'll get our fish out for us sometimes and help us. They know what we're looking for.
0: What are you looking for?
1: It depends on what we brief. But a lot of the big deep water fisheries like your um, southern blue whiting, hokey, orange ruffy, squid, uh, jack mackerel, we're doing stock assessment work. So we're taking a sample of the catch of that species, maybe 100 or 150, and then we're weighing them, measuring each one, seeing if it's a boy or a girl, taking the otoliths, which is a little bone out of their brain, and that's how you age a fish. It all goes into a big uh, database, and then the scientists can crunch the numbers and see what each year class looks like, how healthy that fishery is, and then the fisheries managers can decide whether to keep the allocated catcher the same for that year or following or, or increase it if it's doing well or lower it if it's not based on and a lot of that's based on um, our information that we gather at sea
0: are some skippers better than others
1: i always say that the, the attitude of the boat starts with the skipper and goes down and you get some re- you know a skipper that's really relaxed and really friendly with everyone on the boat the whole crew will be the same we spend a lot of time with the skipper in the wheelhouse. We're requiring the boat to do things to do our job. So there's a good way to do it and a bad way to do that. It might mean that the crew's gotta do something like get some gear out for us to inspect, like a, a net or a sea line exclusion device or inspect the tori line or stuff. It's, and in the factory, we're doing things that interrupt their factory flow. So yeah, there's a lot of cooperation. Are you busy? Yeah, well, we work um, 12, hours, 12 hours a day. So if you're on a 40 day trip, it's 40, 12 hour shifts in a row. We don't have, there's no days off at sea. There's days when you not, might not be doing as much <coughs> fishing, might be um, bad weather, or gear breakdown, or, or steaming. And generally, we use that time to catch up on our paperwork or input all our data, make sure it's all right.
0: You must have pretty good sea legs by now.
1: Yeah, I've been lucky in that department. No one likes it when it's stormy, but um, we all like five-knot variables, but you can't get that all the time.
0: Because I must say, we're on a boat now, and I'm thinking, (laughs) oh, we're tied up at the wharf.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you get used to it. I've been fishing in some pretty rough seas, like 10 metres swells, 85 knots. Everyone just puts their head down, but you get a few days or a week of that, and... It gets a bit tiring, everything's harder. Moving bins around, walking around, trying to eat at the table. Can't put a coffee down, it'll get knocked over. Um, Sleeping's a bit harder. So it's always a relief when that weather system passes and things settle down.
0: Can it be a little bit exciting?
1: Yeah, you get some exciting weather. You see some amazing sights. There's a whole world that goes on out there that people don't know about. When you're down in the Southern Ocean near the Auckland Islands. What do you see? Oh you might have a thousand birds behind the boat, albatrosses, mostly in different species, 'cause it's uh, you know New Zealand's the seabird capital of the world and that's where most of them breed. So you're staring, you know, at royal albatrosses and all sorts of different species of, of birds, it feels pretty amazing. I like it and it's rough. It's big you know you're alive. And, um, it's pretty cool. And there's yeah, we seals and orcas and sea whales and yeah, lots of different things catch some pretty amazing things too, different things.
0: Do birds get caught sometimes? Yeah, birds get caught on
1: in some fisheries. And down in the Southern Ocean is, is where a lot of them get caught because they're all feeding on the same things that the boat might be catching, like squid. And yeah, they get caught and yeah, they get caught in the net, come up. The boat knows that we've got to collect them, so we just go and do our business. We don't have an opinion when we're out there, we just go and get the job done. Because we've got to, we're going to go and sit down and have dinner with the same people and they, you know, at, at the dinner table, so and they they're not trying to catch anything other than fish, the fish that they want, and they don't no one feels good on the boat when when a bird gets caught, they quite often ask us if there's any if we've got any ideas of how to help not catch them, and yeah we just, tag it and bag it basically and that will go into the freezer of the boat freezer hold. Um, and then we take that off at the end of the trip.
0: There's the occasional emergency. Nigel says he was on a Russian vessel in the Southern Ocean when someone needed to be evacuated.
1: It was actually our doctor. They have a doctor on the Russian boat, believe it or not, and a surgery. But he got sick, really badly sick, with life-threatening injuries, and we had to steam into, I think, 100 miles off the coast, which was the range of the helicopter, and they picked him up off the bow. And on that occasion, the captain called me up to um, talk to the rescue helicopter because my English was better. So, here's me telling him how to manoeuvre a 100 metre trawler in five metre swells and 35 knot winds while they pick up this guy off the top. And we just shoved his passport and that into his um, into his pocket because he couldn't speak any English at all, and gave them the what was what we thought the symptoms were. He also had been out with an observer, training him actually in the Auckland Islands and he he got called to the bridge which is always kind of your worst nightmare on a big boat and t- his sister was killed in a car crash, which was tragic. And we were 250 miles from Bluff and fishing was good and the skipper just said, nah, we're taking, taking him back in. So we steamed, it was 24 hour steam, <coughs> excuse me, punching into um, big sea, dropped him off and then 24 hours back and started fishing. And the company never batted an eyelid. They, the crew never said anything because um, that's just what you do at sea. And even you know the fact that it's one of us and we're not part of the boat crew, it's pretty, pretty humbling really.
0: What's this night sky like?
1: Oh, a lot of people ask that. And I'm sure it's amazing, but you've um, got to remember that when we're at sea, the boat's kind of lit up like a Christmas tree at, at night because we've got lights. So you can't see. It's like being in a small city. However, sunrises and sunsets is a whole other world. They're,
0: they're the best at sea. Nigel won't go out on this boat again. Cameras have been installed to keep an eye on things. Yeah
1: going to be almost sad to, to finish the cameras going to take our job for this while for this particular coverage there's a the camera there oh yes obviously these are the trawl nets two different ones and that's going to film the shooting of the net and then the retrieving of the net the hauling and then um, assess what's caught in it but the fish get pulled around the side of the boat and loaded on the in front of the wheelhouse here and I'll show you that there's another camera yeah, so here's, here's the other camera
0: here. Sounds like you've loved your job.
1: Yeah, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I've seen a lot of things, I've met a lot of good people and um, yeah, we do some fascinating work. I mean, I've done live satellite tagging of marco sharks and bluefin tuna, been down the ice. I, I, it's, I like it, yeah.
0: No two trips would be the same?
1: No, no, every day's different at sea.
0: What don't you like about the job? You do miss
1: out on a bit. It's not everyone's cup of tea, like the world world stops when you throw the ropes off. Some people do this job because they want the money. Some people do it because they like fishing or an adventure. Some people do it to pay off student loans. You know, get quite a lot of the young um, science degree people that come in.
0: Do you go fishing?
1: Oh yeah, when I'm off. Usually on about the first day I'm back. (laughs) Take my boat out, I don't go out when it's rough on my own boat, I only go on good days, I only get paid to go out when it's rough. But yeah, I like fishing. So after this, what will you do? Uh, I'm going to probably go straight back to work. I don't know where they're going to send me. It's hokey season at the moment, so maybe maybe that or Southern Blue Whiting, we'll see. Probably on a big boat. I'll have to um, start ringing people in the office and sweet talking them into a good one. that's how how it usually works
0: Fisheries observer Nigel Hollands part of his job when he was working off Raglan was to look for Maui dolphins every half hour he says he's never seen one I'm Carol Stiles and you've been listening to Hook, Line and Sinker a series in MPI's Primary Matters podcast thanks for listening Kia pai te ra